Welcome to the Behind the Bliss podcast, where Rachel Autry brings weekly conversations to encourage, inspire, storytell, and share. Each episode is designed for you to feel met in your mess and balanced in your bliss. Here's today's conversation. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bliss. In this episode, my new friend, Asherita, is joining me for a conversation about quiet time. Is it supposed to be quiet? How often should we have time in the Word? How do we fit this into our busy routine? What's the importance of this being a part of our day? We answer all of these questions and more. We've all struggled in seasons of spending time with God every day. It's not just you. It might be infrequent or it might even be non-existent. Maybe you don't know where to start or why you're even participating in the first place. Quiet time is a tricky subject. I feel like the world has a lot to tell us about it. Even sometimes in our Christian bubble, the idea of quiet time can get a little muddled. Asherita is author of the book, Bible and Breakfast, where she shares different breakfast recipes and how you can pair your time in the Word with your breakfast every morning. She dives into behavior science, what it looks like to create a habit, what would make it easier for you, but then also the importance of why we should spend time in the Word every day. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Asherita. Well, hey, Asherita, welcome to the show. Rachel, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad we could make this work. I know, me too. I'm like, if people could only know the back and forth or scheduling <laughs> it takes to get people like in one remote location at a time, it's a lot. So I'm thankful we could like be flexible and make it work. I'm so excited to bring your book, Bible and Breakfast, and all of your wisdom to our friends listening today. Oh, well, thank you. I am excited to jump right in. I know. So you have tons to say about just spending time with the Lord, the importance of it, like even science behind it. And so I think that this conversation of, hey, what does quiet time look like practically mm -hmm. um, and even spiritually? And if you wanted to play a science part in it, cool. Let's, let's talk about what happens in your brain when you set aside time to do this um, is much needed. So just to just dive in, tell us a little bit about Bible and Breakfast, your new book, and what you hope your readers to, to get from it. Yeah. So uh, the short of it is Bible and Breakfast is a 31-day devotional slash cookbook. And the purpose of it really is to encourage women to develop the habit of consistently reading the Bible while they eat breakfast. And like you mentioned, it is rooted in brain science, but it's rooted in grace as well because um, <laughs> we're busy women. And so rigid yeah. formulas don't work for us. So I've intentionally woven throughout the book um, little things that will help women be consistent so that at the end of the 31 days, they are um, regularly meeting with Jesus first thing in the morning, because that is what truly brings joy to our lives. Yeah. Wait, where did this book idea come from? Was it something that just came from your own experience? You're like, oh, I got to share this with people. <laughs> yeah. Or have you, have you sat on this for a long time? Oh, fun story. A few years ago, um, I was part of a 31-day blogging challenge in October, and um, I invited 30 of my friends to join me on my blog, onethingalone.com. And I said, would you share with us your favorite breakfast recipe and a Bible verse that God is using to speak to you? And the reason for that is um, growing up, I had always loved Jesus. Like I grew up in a Christian family and um, he is my first love. <laughs> so um, I'm also a bit nerdy, a bit intellectual, and I loved just sitting down for inductive Bible study um, 
to do like verse, like word studies in the original Hebrew and Greek. My dad yeah. taught me how to do that, um, to do like cross references. And I pulled out concordances and I'd get all geeky. And I just came alive doing those things. And the word of God came alive um, on the mission field. We were missionaries to Romania. But then fast forward, I went to college, um, things got super busy, I got married, then I had kids, and my regular hour-long inductive Bible study that I used to do every day vanished. Right. I could hardly <laughs> find time to brush my teeth every day, let alone do original Greek and Hebrew word studies. <laughs> um, right. And growing up, I had heard this story of a Chinese pastor who had said, no Bible no breakfast. And that had been his commitment that he would not eat anything until he had first fed himself from God's word. And as a young mom, I thought, I mean, that sounds really nice, but I love my breakfast. <laughs> and I feel like women yeah. don't need to to be convinced to put off breakfast. What if instead we tied reading the Bible to something that we routinely do, which is eat breakfast? What if the time that I sit to feed my body could become the time that I feed my soul as well. And so that was kind of the impetus of Bible and Breakfast. And I invited these 30 friends. I'm like, let's give it a shot. Would you try for 31 days to do Bible and Breakfast with me? And we invited our readers and we had over a thousand women join us, Rachel, that first year. Wow. And they said, yeah. Have you ever just pictured like a thousand women in a room? Like that's a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. But that was also affirmation. Uh, I am not alone. You know, the enemy tries to trick us that if we're struggling with our quiet time, if we are bored with our devotions, if we just don't have hunger for God, there must be something wrong with us and we must be the only ones who are feeling that way. And so to have this community of women come together and say, yes, I, I struggle with this and I want this. And then to have the accountability of doing that together for 31 days, um, it was so, so cool. So uh, every morning I would suggest or recommend a breakfast idea. If you have something that you already enjoy eating, that's fine. If you're in a rut, here's something you could try from a friend of mine. I had a short um, like one to two sentences that my friend said, this is a Bible verse that stood out to me and that um, the Lord is speaking to me through. And then I took that verse and I did... (laughs) what my heart loves. And I wrote out an inductive Bible study based on that passage. And so the thought was, if you only have a few minutes, then just read this one verse and just meditate on it throughout the day. But if you have a longer time, then here's a feast at the table. I will set out a feast for you. Let's sit down and do an inductive Bible study. And I really think that was the key Um, That first time with the blogging challenge, because women had the choice of either doing a short little snack in scripture or doing a feast in scripture, depending on how much time they had. So there wasn't guilt in it. And that's what I incorporated in the book version of Bible and Breakfast as well. Yeah, I was about to say, you do have a snack on the go Mm -hmm. and a feast at the table, which I love too, because as the achiever I am, I'm like, if I leave something half done, I feel like... Mm. You know, I didn't even complete it at all. It was like a failure, right? Yeah. So I'm like, regardless if I completed 70% of it, which is majority, if I didn't finish the 30%, it's like didn't even count to me. So having a snack on the go releases the pressure of it being the bigger and longer sitting down time that you could have had maybe Monday, but today's Tuesday and and that just can't happen the same way. So I love that. Just like the release of pressure. So people responded in a really fun way. 
people also got on board. And so that's when you said, okay, this needs to be put to print. Let's get this to a book. No, not really. <laughs> I was working okay, on other tell books. Us about, yeah. I was about to say, tell us about that transition. Yeah, I was working on other books at the time. And we had a, um, a community that we were doing um, Bible study online on the blog and membership. And um, yeah, this at, at first it was just like, oh, that was fun. Maybe we'll do another blog challenge another year. But um, a few years, yeah, a few years passed and I just heard from women saying, you know, I'm still reading my Bible with breakfast and I'd love to do this together again. Like, could you bring it back? Could we do it? So my publishing team at Moody said, we really believe in this and we want to bring it to a larger audience. So let's turn it into a book. And Rachel, I am so thrilled with how it turned out. Like there is full color photography. It is beautiful. It's Every beautiful. recipe it has is. a picture, which is one of my pet peeves when I get a cookbook and I'm like, but what does it look like? <laughs> I don't know what it looks like. Yeah. So there's that in there. It's such a fun book. Um, and I invited my children to join me in it. So there's pictures of me and my family because we do Bible and breakfast together. And we can talk more about how to make that happen when you have little kids. But it is just a, a beautiful book that um, really, again, the heart is help women build that consistency of meeting with Jesus at the breakfast table with grace and with joy. Yes. It's truly like a gift to me because I do feel like I sit in that space of like, I have a great devotional and I love inductive, you know, Bible studies as well. Like they are so much fun to me, but what about those days that are busy or if I'm traveling or I'm hosting, gosh, like that's the hardest for me is when people are over like spending the weekend with us and I feel like I'm almost ministering to them and then I forget Mm -hmm. to minister to my own soul. Like it's just like, it's easy to get wrapped up. So I kind of want to talk to the person It could either be like in a mothering season, in a just straight up busy season that feels like, oh man, I love this idea. It seems really fun, but I just feel like it's just a huge step to get there. Mm. What would you say to that person? I totally get it. (laughs) And I think part of the challenge is that we have this all or nothing mindset that we talked about, right? It has to be this hour long inductive study. Um, And if I don't do that, or if I only do halfway, then I failed. I think the other problem is um, that we have these formulaic approaches to quiet time, that it has to look a certain way or it has to include certain elements. Um, And the truth is that God is a creative God, and he created us one of a kind. There are no one-size-fits-all formulas in the Bible for how to spend time with Jesus. So I just, first of all, want to um, allow women to receive the freedom of Jesus Christ in this. Um, I think that's where we need to start. And then secondly, I'm going to geek out on a little bit of brain science here, but I will keep it Please simple. do. I was going to go there if you didn't, so I'm <laughs> glad you're bringing it up. Um, there's this great book called Atomic Habits. Um, there are other people who write about this as well. But the idea is... Um, God wired our brains to help conserve energy, and that happens by creating habits. So there's so many things that we do throughout our day that we don't even think about, right? When you wake up in the morning, you don't think about sitting up and putting your feet on the floor and walking to the bathroom. You just do it automatically because that's a habit, and and our brains love habits. So we'll talk about how do you establish a habit, especially when it's something daunting. And part part of the irony here is that the brain resists anything that seems difficult. 
So I don't know if you've ever tried like exercising for 60 minutes, three times a week. And, you know, in the beginning, you're like, okay, I'll do this. And, and it starts out great. And then after a while, you know, the time comes that you should go for a run and you're like, uh, do I really want to go for a run? Not really. Yeah, it's easy <laughs> to convince yourself of anything in that very moment. I'm like, I definitely don't want to do this and here's my pros and cons. Oh, look, the cons outweigh the pros. Right. I'm not doing it. Like it's so easy for me to do that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So my husband's training for a half marathon right now and he's at the point where he's running like 10 miles at a time. And, and so part of you know, what we can do is break down a big habit into a tiny habit. So instead, you know, if you, if you've never run a mile in your life, instead of saying, I'm going to go out and run 10 miles, what you can do is say, I am going to go out and I am going to walk for two minutes. I will walk for two minutes. I can walk for two minutes. Now, if I'm out there walking two minutes and I feel like I can keep going, then I'll keep walking for a few more minutes, or maybe I'll start jogging for a few minutes. But if all I've done is walk for two minutes, that's a win for the day. And so you keep doing that tiny habit day after day after day until it becomes a habit. And then you can build on that. You can stretch it out longer. You can make it more difficult, but you have that base habit already built in. And so there's minimal resistance in your brain because it's already happy about this habit that you've built up because you made it tiny. So to take that analogy and bring it into the world of Bible study and devotionals, we think, oh, it has to be an inductive study, or it has to be 30 minutes long, or it has to be prayer and Bible reading and memorizing and going through my prayer list and doing my gratitude list. And we build out these ginormous habits and we might do well for a few days until we encounter that resistance and then we just give up. So instead, think about taking one of those habits and breaking it down into a tiny habit. So I encourage women, instead of saying, I'm going to read through the Bible in one year, and that means you're reading like five chapters a day, um, tell yourself, I'm going to read one verse a day and pick a book of the Bible, whether it's the book of John or I don't know. Colossians is a favorite, and just put a book of the Bible and read one verse a day. Read it at the same time of the day. I suggest breakfast because that's one of the first habits that is already established in my life. Because another little piece of brain science here is your brain loves it when you link a new habit to an existing habit. It's like a cue. So When I walk into the bathroom the first thing in the morning, my toothbrush is right there and it serves as the cue. I walked in, there it is, I pick it up, I brush my teeth. So I don't have to think about it. A way of doing this could be that you put your Bible next to your coffee pot. So if you drink coffee first thing in the morning, lay out your Bible the night before so that when you go to the coffee pot, the Bible's right there, there's the cue, you've linked it up, it's more likely to happen. That's kind of what we did with Bible and breakfast too. So make it tiny, link it to an already established habit. And then the third part is my favorite, Rachel, and it is celebrate. Which is Celebrate the win. Yes, I'm not (laughs) celebrating. You know, we think that, oh, if it's not this, you know, if I didn't do this big ginormous thing, then it's not worth celebrating. But no, if you did your tiny habit for the day, if it's reading one verse or if it is writing out a prayer on on like two sentences prayer you know whatever your tiny right, habit is yeah. for the day if you accomplished it celebrate it because 
you are starting to get into the presence of Jesus, right? And, and it really oh, yeah. is yeah. about reminding ourselves why we're doing this. And that's where the joy comes in. Because if it just becomes a legalistic thing that we do, if we think that this is somehow going to make God love us more because we're reading our Bible every day, we missed the point. Uh, Psalm 16 says, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So every time you do that tiny habit, celebrate. Yes, Lord, I am coming into your presence and I trust that you will meet me here and that you will fill me with your joy. And that's worth celebrating. And what's so neat about what I'm hearing you say is you are kind of laying your expectations to the side whenever you choose to celebrate small things and small victories. So like if my expectation is, let's use the one year in a Bible example mm-hmm. you said, I can get overwhelmed. And if I don't meet my quote unquote quota, like it's going to feel like I failed. And what I did soak up in that time that I was having my soul minister to, or that I feel like the Lord did show up or speak to me in some type of way, I almost overlook that because in my mind it is a failure. And so instead, like being able to celebrate small victories is is a sweet way for you to surrender and be like, I lay my expectations to the side of what this time should be with you. And whatever you have for me, like I want to soak up. If that's staying in one verse for the whole time because I'm just getting so much from it, or if I read three chapters and I feel like I cannot even relate one bit, like I just pray and ask that you would enter this time with whatever you have on your agenda, not what I have on mine. So I feel like it's almost just like a a surrender of, yeah, I'm not quite sure what this is going to look like, but I'm going to do my best the very first of my morning and just give it to you, which I think is just the best first step. Right. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think so often we allow our feelings to dictate whether we're going to follow through on something or not. Like if I feel like reading the Bible, then I will. If I don't feel like it, I don't want to be inauthentic. And so I won't. (laughs) Like, I don't know if you've ever said that, but like I've said that to myself. Mm -hmm. Like, Lord, if I don't come to you with joy, then uh, I'll just wait until I feel like it because I feel like that's somehow more honoring to him. But God knows what's in our hearts and he invites us. He invites us to pray for what we lack. If we lack wisdom, he invites us to pray for wisdom. If we lack a hunger for God's word, he wants us to ask him for that hunger. We don't have to try to muster up hunger on our own. We can say, God, if I'm being totally honest, I am so distracted right now. And I am so like, my head is filled with the bazillion things I need to get done today. And I don't feel like sitting down. Give me a desire for your word. And help me to have the discipline to sit down, to spend my first few moments with you, and to trust that you're going to use that. So good. I feel like what also is, I feel like what also plays into this is those quiet time stereotypes that thanks to different social media platforms we compare. Like, oh, well, man, my quiet time isn't going to look like turning on worship music with a quiet house and coffee in hand. Like. Therefore, it's not going to be the same. I'm not going to get as much out of it. So can we just speak to those uh, stereotypes? So what would you say to someone who's just like all wrapped yeah, up I'm in so it? glad you brought that up because you're right. We do. We have these formulas or these stereotypes of what it should look like. And we feel disappointed when it doesn't measure up to that. Um, and that's true in my own life. You know, I talked about becoming a young mom and there is rarely a quiet moment in my house. So about a year and a half ago, um, I just had to come to grips that I am going to give up quiet time. 
it's not going to be quiet time. And instead, um, the, this was something that the Lord really worked in my heart. Um, instead of complaining or mourning the fact that I didn't have time by myself to read the Bible, what if instead I invited my children into my time of reading the Bible? What if I welcomed them into God's presence as we opened his word together? And the more I prayed about this, the more I started doing it around the breakfast table, just opening my Bible and saying, hey, let's read this together. Um, there really is something there, Rachel. I don't, I hadn't thought of this, but yeah, all I'm with you. The majority of scripture was written to be read in community. This is not a book that was originally intended to be studied and dissected and pulled apart individually all by ourselves. Uh, the letters of the New Testament were all written for people to read and listen to together and talk about together. Uh, in the Old Testament, these were books that were recited in community and they would talk about it. We see this in Deuteronomy where the instruction is for parents and children to talk about these things when you're sitting down and when you're going and when you're lying and it should always be on your lips. And I think we take that sometimes to be like, oh, we're failing as parents because we're not doing that. But what if there's grace in exactly this practice, this discipline that we want to do in reading our Bibles and we're trying to do it, we're trying to force one way of doing it into our lives when it's not the right season for that. So in this, mm -hmm. this last year and a half where I have invited my children to join me in Bible and breakfast, um, my times of reading scripture have become so rich and so rewarding. Um, and that can be like a whole other conversation, but that doesn't mean that I don't still seek for moments of quiet and reading my Bible by myself because my introvert heart really wants that. Um, but that might look different then. It might be that I am listening to the audio Bible as I'm going for my walk or if I'm in the carpool line. Instead of listening to a podcast or music, I'm, I'm putting on the Bible and listening to that or listening to worship music. It might be that in the evening, instead of putting on a Netflix show, um, I do go to my room and pull out the Bible and read the Bible for a few minutes by myself. And again, not out of a place of guilt or necessity, but out of desire and joy and hunger. And so God, again, as a creative God, there is no one size fits all formula for quiet time in the Bible because he created us one of a kind. So if you feel closer to God outside, then read the Bible outside, listen to the Bible as you walk the dog. If you feel closer to God and you're like a kinesthetic learner, then maybe act out a scene of the Bible with your kids or use Play-Doh and recreate the scene with Play-Doh. Or maybe you're more of a musical type. Listen to worship music. Um, if you play an instrument, play the instrument in God's presence and play it for him. It pleases him. Or maybe compose your own songs, whether they're silly or beautiful. Um, these are all legitimate ways of entering God's presence. And he rejoices in us and we find joy in him. I'm like just draw dropped over here. I'm like, yes, I'm so glad he spoke to all of this because it's just so much easier than I think people wrap it up in their minds to be, which then causes it to seem daunting, which then causes it to be easier to opt out than opt in. And so just to beat the cycle and realize that truly the Lord just wants to meet us where we are. And 
in the whatever season that we're in. And he, the last thing I think he wants it to be for mm-hmm. us is difficult. And so um, just finding different ways to celebrate who he is in whatever season you find yourself in, whether that's like a college girl that needs to walk from point A to point B to get to another class, like pop in your earbuds and listen to maybe a chapter or something like that that you can be reflecting on as you walk or spend time in prayer for a friend as you walk, like that kind of thing. It could just be so much more simple than I feel like what the world has made quiet time to be. Do you even sometimes hate that whole term, like quiet time? Oh my goodness. You're like, I, oh. Yeah. <laughs> As a writer, I really wrestled with that. I, I try to oh come up with these creative ways, like what to call it. And people just call it quiet time. So it's like, okay, we'll call it that. But it doesn't have to be quiet, right? Right. And, and I did want to circle back because there's this tension. Um, there is discipline involved. Um, yes. Sometimes it will be hard because we are saying no to our flesh, right? So it, it might be, hmm, I want to be careful how I say this. It's easy for us to say we don't have time for Jesus. And I think if we were truly honest with ourselves, we would find that we do have time, but we choose to spend it on other things. Hmm. And so if you find that you are not hungry for God, um, there's this great John Piper quote that God just wrecked my heart with a few years ago. If you don't have hunger for God, it's not because you've had your fill of him. It's because you're stuffing yourself with the pleasures of the world and you have no room left for what is great. There is a hunger for God and it can be awakened. And the way that God often awakens us in our hunger for him is by fasting. For me, that fasting a few years ago looked like saying no to sugar so that I could fill myself with his word. It, other seasons, it's been saying no to Instagram or Facebook or shows or shopping <laughs> or hanging out with a friend who is mm-hmm. pointing us in the right dire- in the wrong direction. There are things in our lives that hold our affections. And I think God wants to deal with those things. He wants to pull out those idols from our heart that are choking out the word of God so that his seed can fall on fertile soil and that it can produce fruit. So I do want to encourage women that there is joy and there are things to celebrate. And at the same time, um, we are to be living lives of repentance, of turning and saying, Lord, where are my affections being drawn away from you? Show me, teach me, and, and help me to turn away from those things, to turn toward you. And when we do that, we reap the joy of his presence and the reward of spending time with him and our affections change as well. And I've experienced that in my own life. Um, And if women feel like that is just so far removed from my experience, then I invite you to ask God to make that true in your life and keep asking him for a hunger. Keep asking him to show you the idols that are are stealing your time and your affection. Keep asking him for ways to turn from guilt to joy, from duty to delight. And he promises, if you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And that is just such a beautiful promise. Absolutely. I like to look at it too as a relationship like like it is, but a real life on earth relationship, for example, with my husband. Like if I want to know Thomas, which I do, like I have to spend time with him. Mm -hmm. I can't just, I mean, 
I can't just spend time away from him or like we not have a date night for two months and then me be like, well, man, I really want to get to know him or interesting that like I found other things to fill my time than spending time and learning and studying Thomas and loving him well. They're like, now I don't really have a desire to spend time with Thomas at all. And it's very similar of like, if I, if I want to have that relationship with the Lord and like have him so intricately a part of my life, we have to have some dates. Mm-hmm. We've got to set apart some time that's just for us and just for me to understand and to get to know him more. And it's the same in any earthly relationship as it is with our heavenly father, mm-hmm. which is so fun that he set it up that way. So if you wanted more like a, I don't know, for me, sometimes I need like a practical analogy. Yeah. That is a great one of like, you can't expect to know a best friend and to get along with your roommate or your sister or your mother if you're not spending the time getting to know and love them well. So it's the same. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because that was something that really helps me too. And I'll just take that analogy a step further and say, um, if all I had with my husband were our biweekly date nights, because we only go on dates twice a week or every two weeks, Mm -hmm. if that's all we had, our relationship was be, would be on on rocky ground but throughout the day we'll be texting each other we'll spend a time at the beginning of the week where we look at the week ahead and we say okay what do you have on your calendar what do i have on mine how can i serve you what's something that needs to get done uh could you help me in this way what are things that we can celebrate this week so we spend time looking forward to the week together. We plan for that week together. And then throughout today, we'll be texting each other. And sometimes it'll be funny things that we text. Sometimes it will be um, things that we need help with. Sometimes it will be a request or um, just, hey, did you take care of that? (laughs) And those little touch points throughout the day keep us connected in between those long date times. Does that make sense? So I love yeah, when we can spend two or three hours together, but in the season of life, that's not going to happen every day. So there's that analogy of snacking and feasting, right? We feel like we need to spend this whole lot of time every day with Jesus. And if you're in a season where you can do that, or if there's something that you can give up in order to do that, then friend, that is beautiful. I would take two hours with my husband every day if I had it. But if you're in a season where that's not possible, um, still plan for those times away where it can just be you and Jesus. And then in the meantime, have that ongoing conversation with Jesus throughout the day, even if it's just like text message short, right? But just listening to him, talking to him, that's what will keep your relationship alive and and thriving in between those, those statements. So I'm to glad speak. you took it a step further. Um I'm, it's always really fun when you find people that agree with your analogies. I'm like, okay, good. I'm not crazy. But this works. <laughs> um, so I just feel like sometimes there can be that one person that can be listening that's still kind of like stuck in a rut. And so for the girl or whoever is listening that's thinking like, oh, this just, this just doesn't seem for me. It still doesn't seem super practical. Let's just have some like really fun but hard love. Like what's at stake? If we say no and we don't show up in our time with the Lord. (laughs) I think what's at stake um, is your joy. Mm -hmm. I think your growth in Jesus, if you are a believer. Um, If you're not a believer, 
If you're listening to this and you grew up in the church and you know all about Jesus and you know all the stories and you feel like you have have down this list of what you should and shouldn't do to be a good girl, but you've never really started a personal Amen. relationship yeah. with Jesus, um, I invite you to that, first of all, uh, because that is one decision that will change everything. Inviting him to be your personal savior, the Lord of your life, submitting everything you are to everything he is, is the grandest exchange of all time. And um, <sighs> there's just not enough I can say about Jesus. He is the most beautiful, precious being in this whole universe. And if you don't have that personal relationship with him, then my friend, you are missing out on the best thing yeah. in this whole entire world. Yes. And if you are a Christian, if you feel like you've made that decision way back when, but you're not really experiencing the, the fullness of life that Jesus came to give you, then I would tell you that's what you're missing out on. In his presence is joy, is peace. He's the one who fills us with his presence. He's the one who orchestrates the little details yeah. of our lives. And he doesn't just want to save your soul so that someday you'll be with him in heaven. He wants to indwell you here and now. He wants to be a real presence in your life, guiding you step by step. He wants to be the one who opens your eyes to see his presence all around him and to be the one who is bringing his kingdom here on earth. Like those are the riches that are promised to us in Christ Jesus, if we belong to him. And it's not just something that is reserved for when we will die and be with him forever. Those are our riches that are ours here and now. And that's what's available for the taking if we would just spend time with him. I'm like, girl, preach. We need to give you a microphone <laughs> and get you up on a stage right this moment. I'm like, absolutely. She took us to church. I love it. So Oh, yes, we are missing out on the here and the now. He is not a one-day God. He is a, you can have me any time of the day. You choose to dwell in my presence. And that's what he, he asks us to do. Come to me, all who are weary, and I'll find and I'll give you rest. And it's yes. like, what? In those moments that we find feel so busy, it's like, well, that's even more reason to go and find the Lord where you are right now. Mm -hmm. Because he will give you the rest that you feel like you might be needing or missing out on right now that you won't be able to find any other way, yeah. the same way he can give it to you yeah. in the world. So, Hey, can I share something from this morning's, <laughs> this morning Bible and breakfast? I sat down with my girls um, around the yes. table and uh, they were eating mac and cheese for breakfast. I'm just like, okay, whatever works, get them out the door to school. Um, <laughs> so we opened the Bible to Mark, I think it was chapter eight, and it's Jesus feeding the multitudes, right? Um, in this instance, there are 4,000 men and they're hungry. They've been with him for three days and they have nothing to feed them. And Jesus says, well, what do you have? So they bring a few loaves of bread and he takes them and he breaks them and he gives them out to them. And um, again, if you've grown up in church, you're familiar with this. So this isn't a new story. But what struck me today as I was sitting around the table with my girls talking about this is that um, not only were those few loaves of bread enough to feed the 4,000 people, but there was more left over. And, and what struck me is that God is a God of abundance. Our little in Jesus' hands is multiplied to become more than enough. And so if in this season you only have five minutes to spend with Jesus, you might feel like, what's that even worth? Like, that's not enough. 
And you might just say, oh, I'll just wait until I have more time. But dear friend, if you have five minutes to spend with Jesus, then give him those five minutes. And in his presence, that time will be multiplied abundantly more than you can imagine. And it will become more than enough. I think about the widow who went to the temple and all she had were her two little coins. That's all she had. And yet she joyfully gave it to God. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he said, do you see her? She has given more than all those other rich men because she's given from her little, all she had. And so if all you have is five minutes, give it to Jesus. In his hands, it will be more than enough. The way that this story relates to your everyday, your mundane, your what can you do with five minutes and how will he return it back to you? Because he promises he doesn't return back things void Mm -hmm. in Isaiah. So Mm -hmm. when you take his word and you yeah, have it in your heart and you feast on it, whether it's just a quick little snack or a sit down, big dining room feast, like it is always going to come back more plentiful than it ever started in the first place. So that's just, Mm. that's just a testament to the Holy Spirit. And when you are moved to say something, you always should. So for a fun question, still about the book, but kind of switching gears. You do have tons of really amazing recipes in here. <laughs> I'm a bit of you a do. <laughs> Yeah, well, as am I. I'm so wanting to try this chocolate true nut crockpot granola. Oh, yeah. Holy moly. So good. Yeah. That's like next on my list. Also, I love any crockpot recipe, so thank you. <laughs> um, but what was one of your favorites? Like what is your go-to breakfast oh. if you could have a favorite? See, my commitment was to only include foods that my family would eat and that I would feel good about serving them. So they're all my favorites. But um, the one that I try to always have on hand are the make-ahead breakfast burritos. Um, And we will set aside like just a little bit of time about once a month and we do this assembly line. The whole family is in on it and I'll scramble the eggs and they spread cream cheese on the tortillas and, you know, layer ham and cheese and whatever. And then we roll them up and wrap them in aluminum foil and stash them in the freezer so that we always have these breakfast burritos ready on hand. And then when we need them, you just unwrap them and pop them in the microwave for a minute or two. And it's this filling, protein-rich, nutritious breakfast that is ready on the go. And I love that we do it together as a family. Yeah, brilliant. The whole freezer thing, I always forget about that. (laughs) I've got to remember that that's an option. Oh, it could make things so much easier. One of the things with these recipes is um, I made a note of the ones that you can freeze ahead of time. So you can double the recipe and then freeze half of it so that you have it ready to go. There are other recipes that you can prep ahead of time um, because I find the weeks when I meal prep on the weekends, I eat more healthfully during the week and there's less stress um, in the mornings as well. And then there are also recipes that are gluten-free and recipes that are kid-friendly that you can make with the kids in the kitchen. So um, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, those problems that we often have in the kitchen, I try to solve them for you. (laughs) Thank you. Appreciate that. I'm grateful. I'm just so excited for this to become a hardback, like people get their hands on it. Where can people find you in this book and all things Bible and Breakfast Online? Yeah, so Bible and Breakfast comes out October 1st, and it's available for pre-order right now at all major retailers. Um, So just go to your favorite 
bookseller and you can find it there. And then I'm not sure when this will air, but we are bringing back the 31 day Bible and breakfast challenge um, that we originally started Mm. with. So this will be on Instagram and Facebook, and we're inviting readers to join us in reading their Bibles while they eat breakfast for 31 days. And you use the hashtag Bible and breakfast and invite your friends to join you. And then we have a ton of resources at bibleandbreakfast.com. And one specifically that I just want to offer your listeners, um, we have beautiful lock screens that are filled, are either Bible verses or quotes um, that will remind us <laughs> when we pick up our phones to turn our gaze yeah. to Jesus. So the one I have on my phone right now says, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. And those lock screens are um, our gift to you when you go to Bibleandbreakfast.com. Um, I can give you the link if you want to link to it in the show notes. Yes, that would be amazing. I'd love to do that. And then one of my absolute favorite questions to ask our guests is, what is something that you are loving these days? Bible and breakfast doesn't count. So that aside, <laughs> what is something that you want to share with our readers? It could be like a song, a book, a, uh, I mean, product, anything that you think that the people need to know about. Oh, you know, the first thing that came to mind is – That's the always the best. <laughs> what is it's it? It's a book, um, Beholding and Becoming by Ruth Cho mm. Simons. Um, she's okay. Grace Laced on Instagram. And it is a gorgeous book. Uh, but what I love about Ruth is that she, her her whole premise is we become like that which we behold. And so as we fix our gaze on Jesus, will we become more like him? So that's what's on my nightstand right now. It's what I'm reading in the evenings as I drift off to sleep. Um, it's just what I'm loving right now. That's the navy blue book with all the flowers <laughs> and the beautiful script. Okay, yeah, I've been seeing that everywhere. I need to go pick it up. Okay. Yes. Do it. Note to self. Note to Beautiful. self. Oh, I am so grateful for you spending some time with us today and sharing all of your wisdom and just like breaking the bondage of what I feel like quote unquote quiet time should look like and maybe what our listeners have always felt the pressure of it to look like as well. So I cannot thank you enough. This message needs to be shared and I'm glad it was you to share it. Oh, Rachel, thank you so much for having me. This truly was my joy. And it's my prayer that the Lord will use this episode to draw women closer to himself. Like I said earlier, it is not just you, my friend, if you feel like you're struggling in your quiet time too. We have all been there, or some of us might be there now. So feel met in that mess. But hold on to the hope that there are ways to move forward and to get this a part of your daily routine. I am so thankful for Asherita and all of the knowledge and wisdom she shared with us this episode and the few tips and tricks she shared on getting quiet time a part of your daily routine a little bit more easily, no matter what your life and season looks like. But above all, I hope that you feel encouraged and spurred on. I just want you to understand the fullness and abundance of what Christ has to offer us through his word that he left with us today. That, my friends, is why we incorporate a quiet time or time in the word in our everyday. If you wanted to grab a copy of Bible and Breakfast by Asherita or see some of the other things we mentioned in today's episode, then head over to our show notes at BehindTheBlissPodcast.com. If you are loving the episodes or this podcast in general, I would love if you took a few moments to leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are super simple, very quick, and mean so much to us over here at Team BTB. If you've already left a review, we have read it and we are so grateful for it. I'm praying that you have the best week you've ever had in your life and that you feel met in your mess and encounter God in some pretty cool ways. We'll see you next week.